Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One, one pitch. Basketball pulled and Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. All right, welcome to the show, everybody. It is Monday night right now, August 12th. You're listening to this on Tuesday, August 13th. A somewhat ho-hum day in Major League Baseball. Some lousy pitchers on the mound. But as we speak, Mitch Keller is uh, trying to, you know, restart his 2018 MLB, or 19, rather, MLB career. So he's uh, off to a good start against the Angels. We'll keep you updated on that. Meanwhile, Aquino homered again, and we got some big-time call-ups to tell you about. I am Adam Azer. What's up, Scott White? Adam. What's up? How's it going? It's going pretty well. <laughs> I, uh, I th- Are we ready for the big announcement? I think we should probably do it sooner than later. I think so. All right. I teased it at the end of yesterday's show. Big announcement coming up. I'm almost nervous to say it. I'm nervous to say it. All right, here's what happened. It's football season. We're running a little. We're stretched a little thin. We decided we needed to bring someone else on the team. So for the next several weeks, I'm going to be on it, maybe in somewhat of an analyst role, but I'm going to be kind of phased off the podcast. Scott's going to be there. And we brought in a new person to host the show. So, Scott, we went about this, and we started out, and we said, what do we need from a host? Well, Scott and Chris and Heath, like, they got all the stats, so we need someone who's funny, someone who has good energy, someone who knows fantasy baseball, someone who's got podcasting experience, someone who's good at his job. But most importantly, we already have an intro that says, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. Oh, that was the most important part. Yeah. So we needed somebody that was of one of those four first names. So, ladies and gentlemen, your new host of Fantasy Baseball today for the rest of the season from the In This League podcast, Scott Bogman. Ladies and gentlemen. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, just oh, kidding. It's Chris Welsh back on the show. And Chris is a member of the CBS team. Welcome, Chris. Welcome to CBS. I am uh, incredibly honored. You were saying you're like, ah, we got to look for you know a good, intelligent guy. We got to find a guy that knows the sports. It's funny. It's like twelve of them weren't available, so you <laughs> did find the one thing that I did fit was the name Chris. Uh, big, weighty shoes to fill in any capacity, whether it was a day or six weeks. So um, I'm, I'm a little bit nervous, like uh, the backlash, Azer. I mean, you you got to know that there's backlash coming. People are going. I mean, there'll be a few oh, people yeah. that are. Oh yeah. Maybe happy that you're not there, but there's going to be way <laughs> more people that are going to be super upset. Oh, absolutely. You're going to get a lot of those. So yeah. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, Adam and I have been doing this what like ten years almost. Yeah. Uh huh. Oh which yeah. Is an eternity. You're talking any media context, right? Mm-hmm. Like people don't remember. A po- there technically was a podcast before Adam was hosting it. There technically was. Nobody remembers it. I don't remember it. It wasn't good. <laughs> It'll be I mean, good. Is that is that mean you nervous, Scott? Because I found out apparently I only do podcasts with people named Scott. So that is one thing that I'm comfortable with with Scott Bogman <laughs> and now Scott White. But like, where are you at on that? Like, this is your guy. Adam's your guy. Adam is my guy. Yeah. But and now I am your guy. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah no, this is going to be good. This is going to be good. I, I felt good. In previous podcasts with the Welsh, mm-hmm. and uh, you know we got it. We got a chance to kind of, kind of try it out, try out the fit. I think it's a good fit. I pe- think people are going to like it. I think based on the feedback of those podcasts, it will eventually go over well. But there will be an adjustment period for sure. <laughs> but I'm going to be like- on the show. That's the thing. Like I'm going to be on the show, and sure. I'm going to be kind of training Chris on how to be himself while capturing the voice of fantasy baseball today. So we we gave that a shot. We put together a rundown, and Chris, let's get started. Let's do uh, let's do the uh, Tuesday show here on Monday night. What do we got? That's what we like. All right, big news. Jose Martinez, he is on the aisle with an AC joint sprain. So the St. Louis Cardinals called up Randy. We were doing uh, we were doing the pronunciation game uh, before we started up, and we said, Randy, uh, Rosarina. Oh, is that what we decided on? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think that's what Scott 
decided yeah. that. Yeah, I was All afraid right. to actually do that. So this is this is good. We got. Well, we I got mean, a guy I'll who's, be the fall guy who's willing to do the things I'm too afraid to do. Yeah, I'll be the fall guy here. Um, he's interesting. A Rosarina, three forty nine average in the minors this year, four thirty five OBP, ten homers, sixteen stolen bases between Double A AA and Triple A. Scott, where's your level of interest on him? Uh, I, I wouldn't say it's it's nothing. I, I feel like, though, like we have to take all AAA numbers at this point, particularly ones accumulated at the PCL primarily with a grain of salt. Like offense is just exploding there. And relative to that, the power numbers for Arozarena are, you know, 10 home runs and 350 plate appearances. They're fine. I, I think, you know, he's kind of a... He has some speed, but he doesn't use it very well. 16 out of 20, uh, 16 for 26 stealing bases. That's not a good percentage. You know, he makes contact at a pretty good rate. Honestly, he reminds me a little bit of Dexter Fowler, and I'm not sure that I expect him. I'm not sure that I expect him to be more than that, like fourth outfielder type at the majors, assuming he even gets consistent enough playing time, you know, to, to matter in that respect, I, I'm, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not that excited, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Although I, I recognize that obviously a player who puts up good numbers in the minors, it, it could go well in the majors. I mean, his numbers are a little bit, um, they're not even that inflated for who he is. I like to say over on, uh, when I do prospect one, it's prospects assemble when we get multiple guys, the D backs called up Josh Rojas, who 4% owned in uh, CBS right now, only 1% start. 332, you want to talk about numbers that maybe you have to alter a little bit and not freak out about, but 332 average, 418 OBP, 23 homers, 33 stolen bases, also a 57 to 70 walk to strikeout ratio between double A AA and triple A. He's 25 years old. He was in the Granky trade and he played on Monday night, got his first two hits playing in left field because David Peralta's out. Any of either one of you guys have excitement on him? I know a lot of people were buzzing about him maybe in 2020, but is he more exciting than a Rosarina? Well, yeah, the steals really pop out to me, Scott White. Yeah. No, I mean, you look at the line. He, this guy is basically Carlos Beltran in, in the minors this year, but it's another situation where 25 years old, okay, so beyond the typical prospect age, he went from having not so great minor league numbers to these amazing minor league numbers at AAA. Um, in his case, he's basically doing everything well high walk rate, low strikeout rate, running a ton, running well. Uh, it, it's, you know, in particular, he's upped his power to the opposite field, and, you know, maybe that's enough to make him into something. I, I'm more interested in him than Arozarena because of it, it it's such a diverse skill set there. And because he's capable of playing six different positions, it sounds like maybe he'll get the majority of his time at second base in the majors with Catal Marte playing some center field. He bats left-handed. So we, we don't know in Rojas's case, again, how much he's going to play, but I did actually make some moves for Rojas just in case just in case he turns out to be the real deal. But I, I have some skepticism, all, th- all things considered. He's got kind of a Jeff McNeil vibe, and I, I think I've heard that around the Internet, so I don't want to take it if anybody had kind of latched onto that. But multi-position eligibility, a lot of bat in the minors. Let's see how it uh, works in the majors. Either one of you guys have any exciting um, rookies that you're maybe stashing at this point? I mean, Scott, you know, as a prospect guy yourself as well, are there any call-ups? pre-September that you're looking at as we've just seen uh, a Rosarena and uh, Rojas come up? Yes, there, there are. I mean, I, I still think Kyle Tucker's near the top of that list. We have to see him at some point. And the fact that the Astros cleared out Tyler White and, and uh, Tony Kemp and one other guy who was blocking the path, Derek Fisher. They cleared them all out at the trade deadline. It, it, it makes Tucker... I think pretty clearly next in line whenever there is a new opening for him. I'm not ruling out a Gavin Lux call up, even though, you know, it seems like there have been some reporters who've tried to pour water on that idea, pour some cold water on that idea. I mean, he's just been unbelievable at AAA and the Dodgers want to actually win the World Series this year. Right. Uh, I, I think him and, you know, I'm I'm less certain 
not really confident at all, in fact, that uh, Luis Roberts going to get called up. But Lux and Roberts, kind of the same situation. The impact could be so considerable if they are. I feel like in leagues of real size, it's worth stashing them. And then kind of a, a higher probability call-up, I think, is Justice Sheffield, who's, you know, he was terrible at AAA with the new, with the offensive explosion there this year. But since getting to, to AA, he's better than he's ever been before. I mean, sub-2 ERA, I think around two walks per nine. That was always an issue for Justice Sheffield. And the Mariners have an opening since the trade deadline that they haven't had to fill yet because of a bunch of off days. I think Sheffield might get that chance later this week. Mm, I like the Sheffield one and the Lux one, too. Azer, are you at... Where where does your speculation go on guys like Lux? You know, these guys that, especially Tucker, too, these major prospects that were, you know, they're looming and you're getting guys like Rojas that are coming into getting the time. Are you making your speculative ads where you can? Well, listen, lesson learned for you, Chris. Uh, you don't ask me about prospects. I ask Scott about prospects. That's how prospects work. <laughs> I'm trying to get You're you an analyst here. now, Adam. Yeah, you you're trying to get me in there. You, you start the show with a with a five minute segment that I can't be a part of. That's great. I've got great something stuff. for you. Then. I've got something for you. I, well, I, I will wow. tell you that I, I have not dropped Luis Robert because uh, of exactly what Scott said. Uh, I, there's no there are no bats on the waiver wire that could have the impact that he could have. So I'm stashing him now. What do you have for me, Chris? Okay, what I have for you, and I think last week you guys were talking about this pre-injury. Nelson Cruz is not going to need wrist surgery, and he's going to remove baseball activities. I don't understand how someone who ruptures anything doesn't have surgery and can do anything. If any, if there is a human being that says you ruptured something, I will go in a fetal position, I will start crying, and I can't do anything. Rupture is bad, but apparently not for Nelson Cruz. No, I guess it's good news that he will he will be back. I think you know it's. I don't think he's going to be quite as good, but again, so you ask him, uh, you yeah, ask him exactly. What am I, a doctor here? I don't know. Where's I don't your know. Trust level? Where's your trust level with Nelson Cruz? I think you guys were talking like crazy high on him with that insane streak that he had. You guys were talking like next level production rest of season. Yeah. Now that he escaped it. Are you comfortable assuming that Nelson Cruz is this, you know, incredible fantasy asset the rest of the way through? Or do you think there's some serious uh, concern for zapped production? I think definitely concern for zapped production. But I think that whenever there's a situation like this with a guy as high end as Nelson Cruz, I can't. It's not like I can bench him. Obviously, nobody's going to drop him. Yeah. Uh, you know, you just kind of have to wait and see what happens. It could be a Chris Davis situation where he's horrible. Or it can be a uh, Matt Olson situation where he broke his handmate bone and came back and had really no issues getting the power back. It's just hard to know. Look, I, I, I assume I like if he doesn't need surgery, I, I assume he's you know that they're okay, they're comfortable with him hitting. So I, I'll, I'll when he's back, I'd start him. I feel like Chipper Jones was a guy who consistently played at a very high level through these injuries that he had no business playing through. So, it, you know, some players are capable of doing that. Some players, you know, they have a tight hamstring and they can't do anything anymore. Uh, I, I agree, Adam, that I think you, Cruz deserves the benefit of the doubt. But as soon as that doubt enters because of whatever he's doing at the plate, like crunch time, you know, you, you kind of have to have a quick trigger at that point and have somebody ready to replace him. Sure. Uh, other big news out there, Juan Soto sat with an ankle sprain. We're obviously just going to have to kind of sit and monitor this. Is this something, um, I mean, you know, trade deadlines have kind of passed, so you don't have much of a move outside of maybe weekly leagues, which, again, have also passed about sitting him. So we'll have to monitor the Juan Soto stuff. Um, I want to get to Monday standouts uh, for you, Scott. But Mitch Keller update, uh, since we were talking about him Three innings so far as we're recording this at night. Three strikeouts, one walk, only given up two hits. Very, very effective. Had lots of run support so far as we were in the fourth inning as we're doing this. Pirates up six to nothing. Level of excitement with Mitch Keller moving forward. I know you guys talked a lot about the two starts and there was some apprehension. What do you feel, Scott, um, moving forward with Mitch Keller? It's moderate excitement, and, and mostly because everybody needs more pitchers. This is one who obviously has upside. He's been considered one of the top pitching prospect in, in baseball for several years now. The numbers in the minors consistently have been just kind of so-so, and, and I would say the same is true for this year, but you compare it to the rest of the AAA landscape, and they look a lot better. He had 12 strikeouts in his most recent AAA start. Uh, you know, if, if he continues this, puts together a good start today, 
then I'm probably more excited about adding him certainly than Arrows Arena and, and even uh, even uh, um, I'm forgetting his name now Josh Rojas. Yeah, yeah well, hey, about so a, far so oh, good. Go ahead. Yeah, Pardon. no, I, he's off to a great start. I was watching a little bit of the start before we got on. He throws really hard. Um, I, I think what you got to watch the strikeouts here because the Angels do not strike out. I think they have the fewest strikeouts per game in the majors so far. He has three through three innings. So. You know, like I have a, I have a two-start Alex Wood in one of my lineups in a 14-team league, and I'm just going to go ahead and put in the claim right now for Mitch Keller. I, I wish I had picked up Mitch Keller uh, earlier, but I don't. I mean, we're in the playoffs in this league, so I'll probably get him. But I'm going to drop Alex Wood, who I don't really think is useful in a one-start week, for Mitch Keller, who could be useful in a one-start week. Uh, and, you know, look, I, I've seen too many starts where it just falls apart after a strong start. So it's tough to have this conversation right now. It's going to be one of the downsides of doing late shows. There will be those uh, 10 p.m. Eastern games where we just don't have that much information. It's 1130 right now on on the East Coast. Um, But, yeah, as of right now, I am very happy to drop Alex Wood for Mitch Keller. How about this one real quick as a who'd you rather? Uh, Merrill Kelly tonight was getting lit up four earned runs in the first inning. He gave up a couple solo shots to Trevor Story and McMahon. Only three quality starts in his last eight, and he's given up 23 earned runs in the last four games. So Merrill Kelly or Mitch Keller? Adam, we'll start with you moving forward. I, I would say that, you know, we have to see where this start goes, but Kelly is the type of guy I'd be fine dropping for a high upside pitcher who strikes people out. The only I, the only thing I'll say is I don't have any qual- I don't have any uh concerns of Kelly because of this start because it was at Colorado. But yes, just in general, I have Kelly in a roto league and I'm just like I basically never play him. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah Kelly right? Yeah, so Keller's kind of somebody I I'd, I'd uh, go I'd go with upside. I, I feel like Kelly's and, and I got to be careful here, Kelly and Keller. Oh, Kel- I keep saying Keller. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. maybe maybe I should call them Mitch and Merrill. I'm not sure that's better. Oh, it's, um, it is Keller. Yeah, Keller. Right. Keller. Mitch Keller. Right. You, you Merrill Kelly. Scott White. Now, Merrill Kelly, I feel like, is that class of pitcher that is just like... <laughs> Like you, you, you don't really know what he's gonna do from one start to the next. The control's good enough that he could throw like seven one-run innings and it's great. Or he, you know, he's he's just too hittable and he gets crushed like today. And I feel like that pitcher is very hard to use in a traditional five by five league. Certainly roto. Like I'd almost rather go with a uh, a good ratio reliever. That's kind of where we've gone with pitching over the past couple of years, especially this year. And I'd rather. I'd rather go with an upside guy like Keller for sure. Yeah. I actually, when you were saying that, I was like, whatever you just said, you could have intertwined to both of those pitchers where you're like, eh, you know, Merrill Kelly's, you know, one thing from here, the other, the command, he could get lit up. He could have a good performance. Exact same thing with Mitch Keller. If you've watched him, I watched him in 2017. He was out here in the Arizona fall league and he was such a, um, a command of the zone type of a guy, really a tinkerer as he was trying to push his fastball in and then get with the curveball. And he could just, it can work great where he goes six, he strikes out five, six, seven, or he can get lit up for five or six runs. Um, any other standouts for you there, Scott, for Monday? For Monday, let me look. Oh, this is here. a great. This is a great moment in the show, Chris. This is yeah. when Scott doesn't know when you ask me an obvious yeah, question yeah, who that to I talk don't have about. an immediate answer for. <laughs> I'm, I'm um, here for it. I'm here for this. Yeah. No. I mean, it's no. It wasn't the most exciting. There was a lot of offense in that Blue Jays game, but mostly from players who were already <laughs> convinced or either good or bad. Like Bo Bichette had another huge game, stole his second base, which was nice. Two doubles. Four hits. Um, but, you know, everybody contributed. Smoke contributed. Who cares? Kevin Biggio. I'm, I'm about to the point of saying who cares with him because he's 30% strikeout rate. Um, yeah, I mean. Look at Scott. Look at Scott just destroying my bashing Blue Jays segment. I have a segment called Bashing Blue Jays because we, co- we co-authored this rundown. Justin yeah. Smoke, three for five with <laughs> a home run, two doubles. But he had a 105 batting average in his previous 11 games. And the reason why Chris Towers like Justin Smoke as a second half sleeper is, like his batted ball data is you know is fine is good. His BABIP is so low. He is a 214 BABIP entering tonight, and he looks like the same hitter with better plate discipline. So you know th- than ever. 
best walk to strikeout ratio of his career, but a 214 Babbitt entering tonight for Justin Smoke. So there was that. Randall Grichik's also been fairly hot previous 13 games before tonight when he homered and doubled, uh, batting 283 with four homers. Um, and then in deep leagues, Brandon Jury's been pretty good, but barely plays, plays like every other day. So I don't think you want Brandon Jury, but. Uh, Randall Grichik and Justin Smoke are both owned in 44% of leagues. So, Scott, sorry, um, Chris, I'm doing your job. Scott, uh, who would you rather own? And Chris, who would you rather own? Justin Smoke or Randall Grichik? Or nobody? I mean, you you bring up a good point about Smoke. It's it's such a high standard that has to be met, particularly among first basemen, that I'm just not sure he's going to have time to gain my trust in, in any leagues where uh you, you know unless they're 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 not so deep where he's already owned you know mm-hmm. um but the ex woba is like 385 much higher than the actual woba the the ratios look pretty good so we'll keep an eye on this i i'm i just don't know that he's going to have enough time to really enter the discussion okay yeah i think i'm a i'm a gritchick guy on this one too over the last 2 weeks four homers Almost 300 average, 296. I mean, OBP is relatively non-existent, but I don't know. Justin Smoke, those type of first basemen, I mean, we're slowly starting to cancel those type of players out, those fringy average first basemen that, you know, production is fine, but it's um, it's a dime a dozen with those type of guys. Not saying Randall Grichuk is any better, but I'll take the hot streak on Randall Grichuk right now as far as uh, where I'm going to go. Um, all right, that's good stuff. Adam, do we have a break we need to hit? We do. We have a couple of sponsors today. We have Lightstream and Cheers. Lightstream credit card consolidation loans. You can get them at a great rate at lightstream.com slash strike. If you're tired of your credit card bills with high interest rates, go to lightstream.com slash strike. And Cheers, take Cheers whenever you drink and reduce the effects of alcohol. So if you're tired of having a drink at night and feeling like garbage the next morning, just take Cheers. Go to takecheers.com slash strike. Take cheers.com slash strike, and you're going to hear Heath talk about it because Heath uses the product. You know I don't drink, but Heath uh, will talk to you about uh, cheers and how much he likes it. All right, so we're going to take a break here on Fantasy Baseball today, and when we come back, uh, your new host is going to guide you through the rest of the show. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Setting some records. Mr. Azer put some very, very exciting Glaber Torres stuff on here. So I actually just want to throw it right to you because Glaber Torres is doing some stuff. He hates Orioles. You guys remember in uh, The Jerk, one of my favorite all-times movie, he hates these cans. That would be Glaber Torres with the Orioles. He is demolishing them. So, Adam, what do you have? I've never seen the jerk. You what? Is that the one with Rubric, or is that Dirty Rotten Scoundrels? What that? What the jerk? Yeah, I've the, never. You guys, have you both never part. seen the jerk? I've never seen I, it. No, I've never seen it. Is Michael Caine in that one? I I quit. I'm out of I'm out of here. Steve Martin. It's Steve Martin. It's it's maybe the masterpiece of Steve Martin. All uh all I need is my red thermos and and I need this lamp. Nothing? I've seen Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. That's the one with Michael Caine. Uh Scott would know that. But I will be no. very disappointed if there is more hate about me on here than there is about you two never seeing the jerk. <laughs> I will be very, very disappointed. Okay, so that was a huge disappointing the jerk. Uh, reaction there. But what about Glaber Torres, Adam? So Glaber Torres hit uh, two, three home runs. Two of them were three homers, uh, three are uh, three run homers, excuse me. And uh, he did that in a doubleheader today against Baltimore. That gives him thirteen homers in sixteen games against the Orioles. And he is one shy of the major league record for most home runs by one player against a team in a season. Roger Maris hit 14 home runs against one team in a season. So Torres, you know, even with this big game, I think he's probably only going to move up one spot in the uh, fantasy points, you know, at second base. 
He'll be 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. He'll be 10th instead of 11th. He's missed some time. But, yeah. I don't know, Scott and I, we talked about him. He's got a, like an 880-ish OPS, the 860-something. It's He's having a great year. He's 22 years old, and yet he's still not making that much of a fantasy impact. But Well, he's having a great year when everybody's yeah. having a great year. I mean, this has been kind of the, one of the storylines of the season is like where can you get an advantage among hitters, and there's not many places you can. Glaber Torres, you're perfectly fine with him as your starting second baseman now that it appears this core issue isn't an issue and i think that was a serious question coming into the week three home runs in one day will change that but is he that much better than ozzy albies is he that much worse than max muncie or is he even better than max muncie like it's just it's a lot of the same thing and that's true certainly across the infield i feel like i feel like outfield is one place you can gain an advantage but it has to be in a five outfielder league a three outfielder league probably not right do well, you think yeah. there's going to be some type of like 2020? I'm going to throw it a little bit to football, where there is kind of this, um, there's a there's a glob of players that are kind of in the same realm. It's like like running. I don't know if you want to go by running backs by committee, but you start getting into this range of players where it's like the differentials between them are so low. Or maybe the better analogy would be the quarterbacks. After you don't take the top quarterbacks, there's just this quarterback five through twelve that are all the same. Do you think there's a glob? of middle infielders that aren't going to differentiate themselves. So yeah. you just say, I'll take the the furthest back of this tier. And that includes yeah. like guys like you said, Albies and Torres and whatnot. That's, I mean, that's kind of what I did this year. I, I, the last couple of years I've began to emphasize starting pitching more and more, and it's increased every year. This year was probably more than any year before it, because the thinking was, well, how much worse is this seventh round third baseman than this third round third baseman? And it wasn't clear to me that he was. And even with that approach, I find I don't really need hitting anywhere, even in those roto leagues. Like, I'm crushing it in the hitting categories, in the pitching categories, I'm middle of the pack. So, like, even emphasizing pitching, I, it hasn't hurt my hitting, and I still need more pitching. So, like, I don't know. It's, it's, that's going to be the, the, the pitching versus hitting debate that rages on every year, I think, is going to be ramped up more again next year and some of the keys might be you know in drafting for next year is taking and running back was a bad one it's the quarterback thing that's the good analogy here yeah, yeah, where yeah, you right. go and you take you know you, you look at these tiers of these players and you say okay well where is my advantage where i take the bottom of this tier and then you're going to be able to get the positions that are really scarce whether that is pitching or you know middle infield and starting pitching could end up being the ones that are kind of the teary globs another thing too i love by the way is I love when a player absolutely dominates a team. Like the other teams hate, like Baltimore is going to hate Glaber Torres. It just reminded me of Trevor Story, who hit a homer on Monday night. Trevor Story absolutely owns the Arizona Diamondbacks. He's hitting 386 just this season, got his third homer, got a 400 plus OBP. Is there anybody else you can think of that just absolutely owns that city i mean glaber torres is the mayor of baltimore at this point <laughs> and they're sometimes my favorite players are there any other players right now that have absolute ownage that you can think of i'm springing this i on. know that mike trout has hit like so the most home runs by any one player against one team would be torres against the orioles gary sanchez against the orioles this is just this year and mike trout against texas so I, let me look up his career against the Rangers. It might be one of those things where, like, Mike Trout just... just so and maybe yeah. we just say I, Yankees versus Orioles. All Yankees own New York. Own everybody Boston, owns the Orioles. I uh, want to say yeah. the Nationals own Julio Tehran. Ooh, um, that's my favorite, too, when a pitcher just can't... Well, I mean, it's almost like Hermione Marquez. Like, he just can't pitch at home. But I love when a team owns a pitcher as well. You're kind of you have it, Adam? You're the jerk. Uh, in his career, is like 1,100 OPS. But this year, Mike Trout has a 1,564 OPS against the Texas Rangers. He is batting 349 with nine home runs in 13 games. That's pretty good. That's pretty, pretty but no good. Steals. Um, more uh, set in the record. Aristides Aquino, we love him. I had put him in the notes prior to the show, and I was like, ooh, I get to pick that he went hitless and he got a couple strikeouts and I was excited to start talking about that because he's got to calm down. Then he hit another dang homer. Most homers in the first 12 MLB games hasn't gone without a hit, by the way, since August 2nd. And uh, 
Adam, you put a bunch of other good stuff out here that's kind of comparative to what Aquino's done with uh, Trevor Story, Trey Mancini. You want to rattle those yes. off? Right. So I, I think this is a great time if you're still selling. And I, I swear to you, I currently have an email going with someone where I am considering trading Aquino because he really wanted Aquino and I outbid him for Aquino last week and I have reaped the benefits for sure. But I mean, this is what Trevor Story did. He just broke the record most home runs hit in the first 12 games of a career. So this is what Trevor Story did. This is what uh, this is what Jordan Alvarez did. Alvarez did not cool off, but I think that the batting profile was much better for Alvarez, Scott. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the plate discipline, just that in general. Trevor Story, his first six games, he homered seven times. He batted three thirty three, but he had one walk to eight strikeouts. His next 54 games, he had a 780 OPS with nine home runs in 54 games. So, And, and he had Coors Field. Aquino did yeah. strike out two more times today. And... I mean, maybe it's just the environment. Maybe he can pull it off, but it feels like he's more likely to go the Austin Riley route than yeah. the Jordan Alvarez route. Yeah, well, that's Alvarez what I was going to say. We have a more recent example than Trevor Story, and it's Austin Riley. And I think peripherally, and it's such a small sample size, you know, I'm not sure even how much to weigh minor league peripherals in with everything else. Um, but, you know, peripherally, he he looks a lot more like Austin Riley than uh, than Jordan Alvarez, so I would be I would be wary of expecting too much from Aquino. He's very strong when he makes contact. The ball should travel far pretty often, but contact appears to be an issue for him. I the, to, today's home run was to the opposite field, and two of the eight I think are. But you know he has very strong pull tendencies. So beyond just the strikeout rate. You know, the fact he's eliminating half the field, I think, works against him. Well, the one um, interesting thing, though, Scott, is we were I was looking at this over on In This League just the other day, was that he's got a 60% plus um, um, non—what uh, was it? Uh, center hits. You know, if he's going opposite, if he's going—if um, he—I'm uh, completely blank here. If he's pulling— center percentage or opposite 60 plus just right dead middle hits instead of the pull. I think it was 30%, only about 30% pull for Aquino, which is just a little contrary to that. And everyone is marking out as, uh, due to his, you know, brand new stance where he's really open. He's got this, he's, he's practically facing the pitcher and then he comes in after the pitch comes in and that timing mechanism has helped him make better contact, which is less pulley, but he still strikes out like crazy. See, I, w- I was thinking the open stance might lead to more pulling. And I was looking at the minor league numbers, and, you know, I just said it. I wasn't factoring those in, and I actually was yeah. with the pull tendencies. But uh, anyway, I mean, like, I, I, I think, I think and, and several players have shown that a strikeout rate near 30% is survivable in this environment because the ball coming off the bat is coming off the bat at such velocities that, you know, you you can make high enough quality contact even when the qual the contact is that limited to to be, you know, a a good hitter. And maybe Aquino will be that, but I would bet against that. I I would say the odds are against that. I don't. The thing of it is, like we're we're just in over the weekend. We've come around to the possibility of rostering Aquino. His ownership has has skyrocketed since the three homer game. And so I feel like it's too early to start playing the sell high game with him. Um, you know, it was it was later on with Riley that we were talking about that. I, I could be wrong. If if you're getting great offers for Mazer, obviously you need to listen to those. But I'm I'm more to the point of, okay, let's roster him, let's see where this goes. And then if it continues for another week or two, you know, I guess trade deadlines will be passed by then. Yeah. Yeah. But that's that's kind of just in a general sense how I'm evaluating him. What was the trade um, offer? Uh, nothing yet. Nothing hear? yet. I just oh. um, in conversations. Okay, started up. By the way, in, in my incoherentness, it was uh, 52.4% center hit percentage. 38.1 pull is so far at the major league level. If people are wondering and trying to decipher uh, whatever yeah. the heck I was yeah, trying you to can, talk that, about. Yeah, that, that was brutal. That was really, you blew it. Yeah. 
That was uh, probably <laughs> it was edited pretty good too because I'm the editor now, so people won't have heard all of those mess up. I'll replace. Here's what I'll do. Anytime I stutter and miss on something, I'm going to just insert an Adam Azer laugh track that I own <laughs> that I actually have copyright to. So be on the lookout for uh, for that one. Let's do uh, let's do a Who'd You Rather, and then we'll break and we'll do some injury news, and we've got a couple other cool things. I wanted to bring this one to the table for you, and it has to do with Aquino, Aristides Aquino, with his four homers versus Franmil Reyes, who hit his 28th tonight, but he has been relatively abysmal since his trade. So, Adam, let's start with you. Aristides Aquino for Franmil Reyes. Maybe that could be your trade offer. Which one do you want, though? Uh, <laughs> I think I'll take Reyes. I think I'll take Reyes. He's been really streaky. But the fact that he's playing every day just leads me to believe there's a hot streak coming. So I could I could seriously regret that, but I will take Fran Mill Reyes. I I'll take the mystery box. The relative mystery box of really? Aquino. Yeah, I'm just not sure that Reyes has proven to be productive enough that I, I'll really miss what he provides if Aquino doesn't pan out. Not break the tie, Chris. Yeah, I mean I, I gotta go with Fran Mill Reyes here. I've, I've seen both of these players. People are going to get this from time to time. I'm located in Arizona, so I've got 14 complexes out here, and it just so happens that the Cleveland Indians and Reds are next to my house, and the San Diego Padres is 20 minutes away, and I have seen Fran Mill and Aquino for the last three years. Aquino has always been relatively average. I've enjoyed watching him because he's a big monster out there, and you're just like, look at this guy in the field next to guys like Shed Long when he was there. But Fran Mill Reyes is another type of special, and I've always thought he was going to be an average issue type of player, but what you have with Aquino is I think what you hope Fran Reyes gets to. We're, we're saying Fran Reyes isn't that exciting, but he's got 28 homers. He is only hitting 240, and he's probably going to mm-hmm. pop into around the 70 marker on runs and RBIs. I don't know if we can get that much better with Aquino, who doesn't have a track record outside of this new adjustment. So I like the hot hand for the now now, for this week. But if I had to go through the rest of the season, I'm, I'm still going to bank on Fran Reyes, but it is a tough one. It is a tough one. It kind of depends on the depth of the league, I think. If you're talking like not. a 15-team, five-outfielder league, then certainly you go with the safer proposition there. I mean, Reyes is a proven power hitter at this point. Like 10 teams, you could just kind of interchange these two guys. Yeah, these guys are probably right. out there all the time yeah. anyway. So. Or like I was thinking more 12-team, three-outfielder context. Okay. Well, that's it makes it tough. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it'd be interesting to pull everybody. I'd love to know what they think about that. All right, cool. All right, uh, Adam, I'm going to kick it to you. We're going to go to break, and then uh, I think we got a few more things to do. Yes. All right. Uh, coming up on the show, we're going to talk about James Paxton and his ridiculous first inning struggles. We've got uh, something from Sportsline from our data scientist, Stephen O. And we've got a 2020 debate involving one of the hottest hitters in baseball right now. That is coming up next on uh, Fantasy Baseball Today. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this, too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, let's do a few uh, injury news and notes, and then I want to hear about uh, James Paxton, of course. Uh, Yasiel Puig beginning uh, his, serving his three-game suspension. That happened on Monday night. Everyone be aware. Cincinnati claimed Freddie Galvis from Toronto. Galvis had been hitting 267. Uh, pretty solid uh, re- replacement infielder if you were looking for one. Michael Chavis on the IL with a sprained shoulder. I'd ask either one of you guys, where would you be leaning if you were trying to replace some of that Michael Chavis production? Uh, yes, yeah, so we're not worried about Freddie Galvis, I think a little bit less than anything. But if you're trying to replace Michael Chavis, where would you be um, where would you be digging? Start with you, Scott. Well, we're assuming a, a deeper league, probably, if you were still relying on Michael Chavis. So yes. that obviously uh, influences the options there. Rugnet Odor homered tonight. And he's been on a pretty nice pace in the second half. He's he's capable of matching Chavis's power. I don't have a lot of confidence in him beyond just a hot hand play. Uh, and even that had started to cool off before tonight. But there's power there. One guy who Adam and I have 
Adam, Adam hasn't really seen the upside of, but it's been like six weeks now where Jason Kipnis has been a 900 OPS guy. And <laughs> Joe started Kipnis. with him saying he figured something out with his hands, which just, you know, is just a fun line. That's why I keep saying it. But Adam, has Jason fixed anything? What do you think? Uh, you mean Joe Kipnis? <laughs> Joe Kipnis? I did like I just call bit. him Joe no, again? No, no, you did it. You did it. <laughs> oh, okay. Jeez. Oh, my gosh. All yeah, right, no, so it was, it was, a, right, ba- that's, that's, it was a pretty good one. Uh, just burning through a couple more here. Luke Voigt may be able to avoid surgery. There's positive. Luis Severino could return as a starter this season. Groundhog's Day for that, though. Uh, Tommy Pham, he sat with a sore hand. Jake Arrieta may need elbow surgery. Bye-bye. Andrew Kashner going to pitch out of the bullpen, Adam. Andrew Kashner experiment, not so no. good. I think he had an eight uh, ERA in his six starts with Boston. And um, is Andrew is Andrew Kashner an option in any capacity of anything? Holds no. leagues? Uh, I mean, just dump him out, right? No, he's bad. Uh, they were desperate. <laughs> they've been they've had a lot of trouble with their number five uh, starter spot right now. Price on the IL. I actually think that now is the first time I think they're not going to make the playoffs. Uh, they got mm, a lot. Really, that was the first time. They've had yeah. a lot of trouble with one through five. Uh, that I, is true, but but I now insist it's Chris Sale is fine, and I think he showed it last start. But you know, but the Brian Johnsons of the world that they didn't want to have to start anymore. That's why they got Cashner. So, uh, regardless, I don't think they're making the playoffs. I mean, they might get swept by Cleveland. I know it's only been one game, but like Cleveland's so much better than them. They lost the heartbreaker to the Indians. It's uh, been a terrible season. So it's shocking yeah, it's to me. It's been terrible. And a terrible bullpen as well. Um, David Peralta, he didn't play due to a stiff neck. Um, insert Josh uh, Rojos, who we talked about. He got the start, so watch on Peralta. And the Astros and White Sox game was postponed, and it looks like Tuesday is going to be uh, the makeup game. Granky and Dylan Cease both pushed. Guys, I got this email from CBS today. It was very fitting, and I was absolutely in love with it. And I wanted to bring this to the show, and I, I asked Adam about this. Sportsline data scientist Stephen O has apparently simulated the entire Week 21 schedule plus the rest of the season 10,000 times. Apparently, he's Dr. Strange is what I want to call him because he's like, there's 14 million outcomes, and this is the only one. And he came up with three outfielders that stood out to him. Brett Gardner from the New York Yankees, Willie Calhoun with the Texas Rangers, and Anthony Santander. What did we say it was, Santander. 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 I don't like that name. I don't like the stopping points and all of it. So (laughs) Santander, Willie Calhoun, Brett Gardner is apparently... is apparently the fix for the end game for Avengers here. So, Scott, which one are you going to pick if you had to pick one of these in the ten thousand outcomes? I'm picking. I'm picking Willie Calhoun, who's yes. always had a skill set that's interesting, good power, and yet he doesn't strike out much, and that that's carried over here uh, to the majors. Finally, getting regular opportunities, and like he's playing more regularly than Hunter Pence, Jensen Chu, all the old guys who've had good seasons. He's playing more regularly than them. I don't mind the Brett Gardner pick. I think he's I think he's been an undervalued option all year, in part because we kept expecting him to lose his job to Clint Frazier. Turns out nobody's losing their job to Clint Frazier because they're losing it to Mike Talkman and Cameron Mabin instead. But even so, Brett Gardner's still there, plugging away, doing a good job. Um I I, I Santander is a weird case because he was the guy who hasn't taken advantage of the triple a offensive explosion. His numbers, there mediocre. And yet the peripherals back up what he's doing in the majors for the most part. Like he doesn't strike out much. He's making the quality of contact. He's hitting, he's hitting the ball really hard since the all-star break. I think I brought that up on the show that Anthony Santander has like, one of the highest exit velocities since the All-Star break. And and kudos to Stephen O from Sportsline because all three of those guys, uh, Santander, Gardner, and Calhoun, had big games today. So he's off to a good start. But, uh, yeah, I, I thought it was pretty interesting. Yeah, that was a, that was definitely a pretty good pull. By the uh, way, Adam, which one did you pick? Oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, when, I'd pick when, you start, when you started that, Chris, I you, it sounded like you said you got an email from CVS. Oh yeah, uh, your pres- I wondered if you were going to give us my... some prescription. Your prescription's ready. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's probably no, just my stupid voice, uh, no. just spreading the word out. It, it's funny because when people ask me where I work, and obviously they're not baseball people or anything like that, I tell them CBS, and they they oh, assume I so say often. CBS. It so happens. often. 
They're like, I love your store. Do you guys ever notice too? You ever go into a CVS and then when they print out the coupon, every time I go, it's, it's like ridiculous. they're giving me money. They're like, hey, listen, you have two free dollars on this coup- <laughs> on this receipt. Save this. Like they're really intense. They're like save this receipt. And I'm like, okay. And I immediately throw it out. I've never spent a free dollar at CVS in my life. Am I, I the only one? No. I, 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 well, they give really good discounts actually. Like they give me like a 30, 40% discount on one item almost every other week, I'd say. And I use it for diapers for my son, not for me. But um, I actually think they're very irresponsible, like environmentally irresponsible with their receipts. It's it's ridiculous, but I did the one of the best Halloween costumes I ever saw was a CVS receipt, and um, it went viral. It was terrific. Somebody just had like a thousand items listed because the, the the receipts are just out of control. Okay, let's go back to the show, Chris. Rain me in. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, how about you talk about James Paxson? Let's get through a few of these notes because I got two cool things I want to do. I want to do a 2020 debate between two players, and we do have a couple emails. But you brought up James Paxton, so Azer, James Paxton, what do we got? I think I'll just make it quick. Like you're going to start Paxton every time out. He's got three straight quality starts. He's starting to pitch better. He's using his off speed. His breaking pitches more today. He used his changeup more than he usually does. But in the first inning. James Paxson has a 10.71 ERA. Rest of game, he has a 2.58 ERA. So he just can't fix this first inning problem. Uh, he, he did give up a run in the first. It was kind of an unfortunate, fluky run with some soft, softly hit balls. But still, he, he couldn't really get like the whiffs. So I don't know. If he can fix that problem, he could be great. I love the fact that he's mixing up his arsenal. And there's not that much fantasy analysis because you just, you're going to start James Paxton every time out and we'll see how he does this weekend in a fairly tough matchup against Cleveland at home. He's been very studly. Andrew Benatendi had two hits on Monday and coming into tonight in his last 30 days, he was hitting 333, just under 400 OBP, five homers, 18 runs, 23 RBIs, no stolen bases though. Currently ranked 89th overall on CBS and uh, one spot lower than Cole Calhoun, which is not a great sell as far as outfielders go. Carlos Santana, on the other hand, hit his 26. So dang impressive. He is the eighth first baseman coming in tonight over on CBS. These guys are different positions, but Carlos Santana or Andrew Benintendi in 2020. I know it feels weird when I say that, but Benintendi has had, I felt like, so much bad conversation around. He's not getting a, you know, the big counting stats that we want, where Carlos Santana has been such a pleasant surprise, and he keeps moving up, highest batting average of his career. Am I wrong here to even put this debate in here? Is it still clearly Benintendi by name value? But Carlos Santana versus Benintendi, Mr. Scott White. I can't imagine with Carlos Santana's track record with batting average that I would take him over... Benintendi in like a traditional five by five league. If we're talking what? a points league, it certainly changes things. More walks than strikeouts again this year for Santana. And he's always been kind of an undervalued stud in that format. But uh category's gotta go Benintendi, I think, what especially I, with the way he's picked it up. What if I threw the round value real quick and I just let's just say Benintendi in the fourth or Santana in the sixth? Does that change anything in making your decision? Uh, it seems too high for both to me, which isn't what you asked me. I understand. Uh, I would rather, I would rather use a sixth round pick on Santana than a fourth round pick on Benintendi, but I'm probably not drafting either at those points. Okay. In in a five by five league. I, um, yeah, I take Santana two rounds later. And straight up, I'd probably take Benintendi in a Roto League and Santana in a Points League. So actually, one thing that Scott is... Uh, sorry, that, that Chris... You're not uh, you're not Scott Bogman. I that, am Chris. Yeah, that Chris is... He's um, the Welsh, okay? He is the Welsh. Oh, okay. One thing that the Welsh is going to bring that's a little different is more of a category's perspective. So the Welsh may not know that Carlos Santana is basically the poster child for being better in Points Leagues. He is the one player... Sure who gains the most value in points leagues every single year. So, uh, yeah, I could see it. Like, his plate discipline is always so good, and he's always good in points leagues. He's probably just straight up better than Andrew Benintendi. But in a roto league, I would take uh, Benintendi. What I think is also fascinating is look at the end of this year. I mean, everybody just make a mental note. 
statistically, who's going to be higher, Carlos Santana or Josh Bell at this point? And I think Carlos Santana is in that run right now that we, we're going to have all this like, oh, my gosh, Josh Bell, he's moved up so much. His value has adjusted. He maybe is a third round pick, even though the last second half has been brutal. Carlos Santana statistically might be better than him across the board. And that's why I brought him up from. And you are right. I am a little bit more head to head guy. No, am I wrong? Let's, let's see. Let's see how the last. Six and a half weeks here go because I I feel like Josh Bell got those few days off and maybe he's back on track now. Like maybe he's, I, I didn't see yeah. that much correction coming. That miserable, uh, they, you know, month long stretch after the All Star break. They entered tonight though nine fantasy points apart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bell just ahead, mm-hmm. and in Roto, um, much more significant. Bell's the number sixteen overall hitter. And Santana, number 32. Actually, player, not, or uh, yeah, not hitter uh, overall. So, yeah, more, bigger gap there. All right, Chris, what's next? Yeah, uh, well, I've got one more debate for you, then we're going to do a couple emails here. This is a 2020 debate, and I was just trying to find a way to properly bring up Gio Urshela that isn't the same way you guys have been talking about it, because I know, you know, Adam and I were talking. There's been a lot of Gio Urshela, but, like, I wanted to start the show, Scott. I wanted to say... True or false, Gio Urshela is the greatest baseball player (laughs) that has ever walked the earth. And true Mm -hmm. is the answer at this point because he's incredible. But let's be realistic. 2020, who'd you rather? Gio Urshela, who's hitting 323, 17 homers, 57 runs, 61 RBIs, and 313 at-bats. Or Jeff McNeil, who's hitting 334, 15 homers, 67 runs, which is more than Urshela. 54 RBIs. All they do is swap the runs and RBIs in 392 at-bats. So a little bit more power with Ursella. Seems like there might be a little bit less guaranteed. Jeff McNeil seems to really have solidified himself. So, Scott White, Ursella, or McNeil? Yeah, I I think you kind of summed it up, actually, just that we have more evidence this is really McNeil who McNeil is than we do Urshela. And and I'm not I'm not saying this isn't who Urshela is. I, I think there's a lot of evidence that suggests he could legitimately be this good. But there's not much doubt in my mind with McNeil anymore. Um the fact he'll be outfield and second base next year, maybe picking up third before season's done too. I mean that that obviously helps, but even just Comparing it numbers for numbers, I'll take uh, I'll take McNeil. Adam, anything change here? I want to take McNeil as well. I think with Urshela, though, I mean, he's hitting the ball a lot harder than McNeil. At least his hard contact rate is much better. And I do think that's a really, really important stat. But it is one year of his career, which was otherwise awful. So I'd take McNeil. I think what's, you know, what's interesting to think about with the Yankees is what happens with... Uh, with, uh, you know, the guy Andujar. Andujar. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I no, Andujar. I wondered that, too. I mean, he's defensive liability. Like, they could just make a permanent DH, uh, and, and then they're stuck with Judge and Stanton on the corners. Well, I mean, Stanton's never going to play, but yeah, that's fine. He's, he's just <laughs> perpetually hurt, so they need a, a guy like that. Do you guys think, last thing on this, because then we got to the emails, but do you think Ursela, Ursela is at least close to McNeil for yeah. people trying to wrap their head around his perceived value coming into 2020? Or do you think it's relatively far apart because of the track record? I think it's pretty close. I I think there's a pretty big mixed, um, mixed bag of guys who just have these out-of-nowhere years and what they do next season. Scott's typically the high guy on those players. And, like, he was the high guy on Scooter Jeanette a couple years ago. and Yeah, last year. Yeah, yep. last nobody year. Else, nobody wanted Scooter yeah. Jeanette. I got him everywhere. And he backed it up, you know. And um, I, I was pretty low on Jonathan VR. I had really no interest in VR this year. And he might look, he's got, like, a 780-ish OPS. He's not a very good hitter, but he's been a top 12 second baseman, which is exactly what he was. He was drafted around pick 100. He's been exactly that. So I, I think I've learned to really open my mind to guys who have surprising seasons. And, uh, yeah, I think it's fairly close. But, yeah, I would go with, with McNeil, but it's close. Okay. couple emails here real quick. Adam says, have your thoughts on Altuve changed much since he's been uh, pretty great since the All-Star break, although adamantly still not running much. Lots of muches in here. Uh, any of you guys' thoughts change on Altuve? Scott, we can start with you. Yeah, they they I, I'm obviously more optimistic. I mean, he's hitting like Altuve of old again. 
and no. uh, I felt kind he's, of silly. He's hitting like uh, he, he's hitting like Babe Ruth. He's got ten home runs since the All Star break. He's like he's way past his old pace. I know well, that it's that it's 2019, but since the All Star break, he's batting 383 with ten home runs. Woo! Yeah. He's brought his season numbers back to where we'd expect them to be for Altuve, except the steals. And I feel stupid for dropping him behind. I think I dropped him behind like Mike Moustakis at second base, and it's just stupid. That guy has been terrible, by the way. Has Altuve done enough to surpass maybe a Jose Ramirez for next year? Or is Jose Ramirez in his kind of bounce back with the stolen bases just clearly going to be ahead of Altuve? That's a great question. Thank you. It, it is good host because I still don't know. <laughs> like I, I got to see these last seven weeks for Ramirez to like. I he he's been the most perplexing player now for a full calendar year. Um, you know, I think his last three hundred sixty-five day numbers still look pretty awful because it was so bad at the end of last year. The season numbers have they look okay now because he's been so hot, but. Uh, I don't know. I I really don't. I really don't know how invested I'm going to be in Ramirez going into next year. He has to finish the year strong for me to say he's better than Jose Altuve, who I at least know is going to be a great hitter at um, one of the weaker positions for whatever that means anymore. Yeah, and I think I, th- I think like Altuve is going to. He didn't suffer the the struggle that Ramirez had, so people are going to have an out. They're going to say, "Well, injury." When they're looking be- uh, between the two, Adam, you're. I feel like you're safely Altuve here. Uh, well, really? not really, because I think he's going to be 30 next year, and it's two straight seasons with a knee issue. So, and he doesn't run anymore. Um, so I think he's probably a better hitter than Jose Ramirez. He's probably a better hitter than most people in baseball. But I, th- I. It is premature to answer this question. Scott's right. We have to see how this plays out. But now Tuvey's getting up there in age. He's he's going to be on the older side, of, you know, of the elite players if he gets drafted in the first two rounds. And uh, yeah, like I said, kind of a, a somewhat of a chronic issue. So yeah, yeah. I looked it up because I was curious. Last 365 days, uh, Jose Ramirez, two thirty four batting average, twenty one homers, thirty one steals, seven thirty six OPS, hitting. Wise, the numbers aren't great, but he's a 20 30 player, so and with a low strikeout rate, of course, because the strikeout rate's been low the whole time. Yeah, all right, all right. Uh, last one then. Uh, Morgan emails in, he's eight for 46. Yikes, would you drop Mercado, Oscar Mercado, obviously, for someone like Corey Dickerson or Eric Sogard, OBP League? Scott, what do you think? I wouldn't because you're talking about two part-time players versus a full-timer. And, you know, I'm not sure I'd be thrilled starting Mercado at this point, but I wouldn't be thrilled starting any of those guys unless it's, you know, maybe if it's a daily lineup situation and you could play the matchups every day, maybe. But uh, that's another thing about it. I don't know. I don't know if you're used to playing in daily lineup leagues, Chris, or weekly. That's a majority of what I do are daily. I I try to mix everything. I try to play all formats. I am a little bit more of a a head-to-head categories guy, so I'm much more used to daily leagues, which, you know, it's daunting sometimes. Yeah. No, we... We definitely skew weekly because that's... I mean, that's CBS does too in terms of what people play. But um, probably too much. Probably we don't discuss daily lineup set leagues enough so well, that's so what i'm good here thing. for it's a good yeah. thing to have that contribution i'll tell All you right. who i would drop him for is is ryan mcmahon and i own ryan mcmahon in a daily lineup league and he is nothing but home at coors field this week and i know i'll be starting ryan mcmahon but i will also say that with mercado like this is not the first time he slumped he slumped a few weeks ago he came back and he was absolutely he went bonkers for two weeks and now he's slumping mm-hmm. again, but it's a little bit frustrating. But in a day, you know. But that's what I was saying. Like, if you can just play the matchups and play McMahon at Coors Field, I think McMahon's a little underowned. His ownership percentage is around fifty percent, I believe. Uh, I would not. I would not drop him for Dickerson or for Sogard. I agree with that. Um, yeah, uh, I think we need a Mitch Keller update. Okay, Mitch Keller, where are we at? That's a good. You see, Adam, you yep. you got me. You got me right where you wanted me. And you just threw me to the wolves there. <laughs> Let's see. We have got, we are in the sixth inning, Mitch Keller, five innings, four strikeouts, two walks, one earned run, five hits, 
Looks like a pretty solid game. 94 pitch count was up, 62 were strikes. Relatively solid. Looks like he's going to easily take the win as we're doing this. It's uh, mid-sixth, 9-2 Pirates up on the Angels. So pretty dang good uh, start for Mitch Keller there, Scott. Yeah, I'm curious what the swinging strikes are. I'm going to look that up now. But in the meantime, I will also put a Josh Bell update out there. Another home run for Josh Bell. (laughs) He is fixed. So don't he worry about Josh fixed. Bell. Is he is he fully fixed with all the good X velocity? That's really solid. Hey, I want to also encourage everybody <laughs> while you're looking that up, um, send in your emails. I'm a, I'm an email guy. Love answering questions. So uh, don't be afraid to send the emails in over here at CBS, and uh, I'll oh, try to get some the, in as many. What's the email address? <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, Adam at uh, CBS. Oh, Sports. really? <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. I have no idea. It's a ready. It's fantasy baseball. At CBSI.com. That's the letter I, not E-Y-E. Fantasy Baseball at CBSI.com. Okay, yeah. I'm going to write that down. Worryometer Wednesday tomorrow, everybody. Don't forget. Ten All swinging right. strikes for Mitch Keller. That's, that's good against the Angels, Scott. I knew you were going to do that. That's good against the Angels. You we'll think? Take it. Yeah, I do think it's yeah. good against the end. We'll all take it. All right, guys. Uh, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, hopefully, I can do right by everybody, especially Adam, of course, and uh, Scott can tolerate me as we go. That's all that I got. I think that's all that they got. This is uh, Fantasy Baseball Today. I think this is how we end it. So I think we're going to get out of here, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.